Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, will you join me in the book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 18. We're excited that you're here today. We're especially excited to have brother and sister Aaron Wright, Aaron and Jess Wright with us and their family. And they're going to be ministering in our second service. And um, in lieu of that, I'm just going to take a few minutes today for two reasons, to give him extra time and also prove to you that it can be done. (laughs) I've got a few doubters in the house, amen, some of which have even spoken up this morning, so I'm just kind of fighting back here today. The book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 18, we're going to be talking about some very familiar passages of Scripture, and in truth, we're going to be talking about some familiar subjects today. But I just want to plant a seed in your heart, and then we'll let the Spirit of God touch that seed and let it grow into our lives. Just want to provoke your thoughts with something. Matthew 4 and 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left their ship and their father and followed him. And so today, with the help of the Lord, in just a few minutes, I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of the right boat, the right boat. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Thank you for being here, and I certainly appreciate the presence of the Lord that I already feel touching our heart today. I want to talk about two boats today that we find in Scripture. One, of course, is what we find in our text. It's a fleshly boat. It's a boat of economics. It's a it's a boat of making ends meet. This is how we live. This is what we do. Every day this was a common occurrence. What we what we read to you this morning, both of these instances were would have been just another day, an ordinary day. Nothing nothing at all would have uh, been extraordinary about what these men were doing, whether some were fishing or some were mending nets. It was a fleshly boat of sorts, and by that I don't mean sinful, but it was just a fleshly boat. It was just what these men did. This is what we do. They thought no more of getting up to get in that boat than some of you would think about going to whatever vocation occupies your schedule week after week. It was here that they made their own way, their own living, 
And if, if this were to be caught, it would be up to them. It would be up to their own skill, their own strength. If something is broken and if it is to be repaired or mended, it would be their hands and their knowledge that would take care of all this. We have this. We have this. The other boat is where we see the hand of God truly moving on their behalf or on behalf of man. And that is Matthew 8 and 23. The Bible says that when he, speaking of Jesus, was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Verse 27 says, But these men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Certainly, Matthew was not the only gospel writer to record this particular instance for sure. The disciples, these men that are at the center of our discussion today, it must not be lost to us that they, they were very familiar with this one boat. They were very familiar with the happenings of this one boat. They were familiar fishing. They were familiar sitting in their boat, mending their nets. They were familiar doing their thing. But to many to, in many different ways, this boat that they're now in, in, it's a sailing vessel, of course. I'm sure it probably looked exactly like the boats they were accustomed to. There was probably nothing about the feel and the structure and the nature of it that was different, but in many respects, this was a new boat. And this new boat would hold for them a completely different way of thinking. We're gonna to have to change how we think about things now. We're in the same vessel we're in the same water. We're essentially exposed to the same elements. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination we could assume this would have been the very first storm these men had ever been in. This new boat wasn't about the frustrating task of making a living by catching a fish. It wasn't about the frustrating task of mending tools that helped them in their occupation. But this boat would hold a much greater truth for them. This was about being with Jesus. This was about being able to capture his power and his ability over the elements and the natural things of life. Now apparently, even though they were exposed to him, they did behold, if, if, I, if I may use that word, a different dimension of the Lord because it left them wondering what manner of man is this, as Mark records. What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. This boat is gonna hold a great truth for them. It was about seeing the power of the Lord in natural situations that can step to the bow of their heart and their life and speak to a storm and steal that storm in a matter of seconds. The old boat was about earthly things and it was about earthly limitations. But the new boat represented walking in a new chapter, a new venue, a newness of God's provision. Now, I realize today that in 2016, we're living a long way from the scripture setting of Matthew. Amen. But in truth, we may not be as far away from this as we, as we perceive because today we have 
the very same choices that are presented to us. We can get in the natural boat and we can do it our own way and we can figure it out ourselves and we can wrestle situations and circumstances out of the hands of God and say, we, we will take care of this. We will fix this somehow. We can do this of our own power, our own will. As I've said so many times, we have come into this, this congregation, we have come into this particular building for many decades now. And, and in, to some degree, in, in many, many, many ways, what we're doing here today is not all that unlike what we were doing here Wednesday. Certainly not unlike what we were doing here Sunday. And if we just kept flipping the calendar pages back and back and back, we could essentially say that decades ago, we're not doing much different today than what that we were doing then or they were doing then. And so we have to realize that there, there's a choice here. We can either walk in this house and say, well, we already know the song and we already know what we ought to do right here. We've had somewhat the same service schedule for quite some time. And so we come here anticipating, I mean, let's just be honest. You came this morning anticipating one song. I threw you off base a little bit because I sang two songs this morning. Amen. <laughs> we anticipate about what time the service is going to end. If I'm not the one teaching anyway, you can anticipate about what time this is probably going to come to a conclusion. We anticipate a lot of things. Or we can come into the house and say, Lord, the boat I want to get in today is your will. Amen. Your spirit to lead. Your spirit to guide. I, I'm not just talking about while we're at church, but in the morning, I've got a choice to make. I've got a choice to make. What, what, what am I going to do here? I want to make sure that I get in the right boat. I, I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence here, and I've got sense enough to know that no one here needs waiters to get through this deep Bible lesson today. I just want to tell you that it's imperative that we choose the right boat. I want to say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Paul said to the Galatian church in 5.16, this I say, then walk in the Spirit. And here is the guard when you walk in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so how can I gain victory over sin? How can I gain victory in my life? Here is the key right here. Amen. It depends on which boat we're going to get into today. I want to walk in the Spirit of the Lord. Now for the sake of an illustration here this morning, let's just pretend that that we don't really know what this means for a moment. Walk in the Spirit. I'm sure all of us have that pretty well defined in our mind. And I don't want to sound trite at all today, but if we could just somehow detect or just somehow measure the Holy Ghost in you today, what would that gauge look like right now? If we could just somehow measure this. I, I know I'm talking about an impossibility, but if we could just somehow weigh ourselves in this holy realm. I wonder what we would weigh in the presence of the Lord today or what about the last few days? How's that meter been in the last few days? The people that have met us and interacted with us, then the, the people that we've done business with today, how was that Holy Ghost doing right then? Not, not just while we're here, but how was that Holy Ghost doing when everything quite didn't go our way and, and uh, the, the report wasn't what we expected? We want the, the Holy Ghost in our heart to be the same every day. And so it's important 
It's important the decisions that I make in the morning. That's why it's so important to start our day with prayer. I've got some decisions to make today. Some of them I'm aware of. Some of them are already penciled in to my calendar. But there may be life may hold some some surprises for me that I'm going to have to make some decisions. I want I want God with me. I want to make sure that I I am in the boat where I have the Savior. That should a storm come. Maybe let me say that differently. When I want to make sure that I'm in a boat so that when the storm comes, I've got someone there that has power and authority over that storm. Amen. So here's my point. If we're not under the influence of the Holy Ghost every day, and especially if we are professing to be Holy Ghost filled, amen, then that part of us where the Spirit should be will be filled with something because we don't walk around empty. And so the part of us that should be Holy Ghost filled, Holy Ghost led, Holy Ghost influenced, if we walk around professing that, but there is an absence of that, we have left room for the old nature to come in and that to fill up that place, that old influences, those two forces that serve as those ultimate influencers of our life. Galatians 5, 25, if we live in the Spirit, then let us walk in the Spirit. Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who, which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So these two worlds that are bidding for our attention, these two worlds that are pulling to influence the decisions that we make, these two worlds that are pulling to influence the level of anxiety that we live with or the level of peace that we live with. And we could say, well, you just don't know the magnitude of the storm. But to that, we would have to say, but you don't know the magnitude of our Savior. We're talking about men who touched him, men who, who have dealt with him on a level in which we never will. Think about it. And yet they are scratching their head, pondering in their heart, what manner of man is this? I just want you to know today, and I want me to be reminded today, that we serve a God who is enough. Enough for what? Enough, you fill in the blank. He is enough for our circumstances, our situation. But the imperative thing is, is that I am in the right boat. I want to make sure that I'm not in the boat of my own will, my own way, doing my own thing, making my own way. Amen. The old boat, the, the problem with the old boat it, it, it is that it's predictable and sometimes that predictability is what draws us to it. The old boat has its comfort. We're accustomed to that and, and again, that is sometimes one of the things that lures us there. It's that old familiar life, familiar friends, familiar temptations. We can go there and to some degree be comfortable. However, that old boat and those comforts are only temporary. The pleasure is only but for a moment. It's just for a season of time. The happiness, amen, is going to end and ultimately there will be no real joy. The old boat, we understand, has nothing in its wake but heartache. However, the new boat goes places that require spiritual backbone. Amen. The new boat is going to require us to get into some uncharted waters, no pun intended, but that new boat is going to require for us to go and to sail where we have never sailed before. It will take us to extremes, extremes that will test our faith, extremes that will test our very resolve, but the benefits are eternal. Peter went back to the old boat, if you remember, after he received the Holy Ghost. 
in a moment of discouragement, in a moment of doubt, in a moment of second guessing, he went back to the old boat. I'll just go back to what I know. I'll go put my hands on something familiar. I'll go put my hands on something, a net that I know how to cast. I will put my hand on a fish that I know how to weigh and clean. I will put my hand back in a world where I can feel that I am somehow in control. Amen. Peter had to go, went back to that. Amen. The Lord had been crucified. And, 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 and without the resurrection, between these two places in life, these two important places, you've got to be careful right there. Because it was right here where he said, I, I go fishing. I, it was right here where, where the promise seemed dead or the promise, or the hope seemed gone, the promise unfulfilled, and it's right there. And I want to tell you today, I believe I'm preaching to people that are right there. Amen. There's been a promise given, but the prayer is still yet unanswered. And it's right here where we have to be very careful of what we're going to do. In a moment of despair, he went back to the familiar. In a moment of despair, he said, well, maybe I was wrong to begin with. And perhaps I bought into a pipe dream. And perhaps all of this has just been a figment of my imagination. And that's why it is important today to understand the value you of, of connecting ourselves to the right thing. Amen. And when, when life, when life comes pouring in and in, in measures that are, that are harder, that are too hard for us to comprehend at that moment, I want to be able to trust in him. So in his despair, he went back to what was familiar, but it was right there that Jesus showed up and began to reveal his love. John 21 a little bit of reading here, but John 21 and 3, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, we also go with thee. Can I pause right here to tell you, be careful who you influence in your moment of despair. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto them, children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. They cast therefore and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. That doesn't mean naked as we think about that, but he didn't have his, his coat on and he cast himself into the sea. And the disciples came in a little ship for they were not too far from, they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. And as soon as they were coming to the land, they saw a fire, they saw a fire of coals there and the fish laid their own in bread. And Jesus said unto them, bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land of great fishes, 153. And for, and for all there were many, were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. And none of his disciples did ask him, what, what, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and takes, taketh the bread and giveth it to them a fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now, please don't think bad of me here, but there's something very relatable about this story. It's that age-old truth of someone that started out without grasping the magnitude of the endeavor. 
someone who just came out of the gate strong. They came out encouraged. They came out excited about the path that was before them, but not understanding the magnitude of the path before them. And so they drift back for just a season of time. Yet during this time, we serve such a compassionate and merciful God. God continues to love unconditionally. It was in this season that Jesus provoked Simon Peter. I understand there were more disciples here, but you see, the Lord was trying to draw something out of Simon because he had a job for him to do. And it was during this season of time that the that the that Jesus provoked Simon to profess his love for him. Three times he drew out of him the same answer. However, it was this disciple that stood up. It was this man, this particular man, the man at the center of our story that stood up on the day of Pentecost and declared this incredible plan of salvation. And so I ask you today, where, where was it that Simon Peter gets this message forged in his heart to this degree? That before anybody else can speak, before anybody else can say anything, I don't think the men, those other 11 that were standing with Simon Peter that day, I, I don't think that they were mute. I don't think they had the inability to be able to say the same thing, but there was something forged in the heart of Simon Peter. He had, he had walked a few places where others had not walked. There had been something pulled out of him, something pressed into him, if you think. Amen. I, where was it that Simon got this? I think if we find the answer to that, we're going to have to go to yet another boat story recorded in Matthew 14. The epic story of the disciples being told to get into the boat. I'm going to send away the multitudes, and Jesus is going along to the mountain to pray. It's here that we're introduced to the story of Jesus walking to them on the water or in the storm. And so while the boat is sailing and, and being tossed about the waves, Jesus comes walking to them during the darkest hour of the night. Is that right? When they first saw Jesus, they thought it was a spirit, but then he identified himself. And, and, and Simon Peter just has one question. If it's you, amen, I've got one request. If it's you, bid me come. Many of you know the details of this story, so I hasten to an end because it's right here in the light of this in, in this in the light of this revelation that something is is solidified in his heart. In Matthew fourteen thirty two, and when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased, and they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, "Of a truth, thou art the Son of God." So this wasn't about storms. This wasn't about getting wet. This wasn't really about being in a vessel. This was about the Lord saying, I'm going to use something common to you to show you something uncommon about me. Amen. That's why Simon Peter could stand as our musicians come. That's why Simon Peter could stand on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. That's why he, without even as much as flinching, could say, Amen. As he stood with the eleven, lifting up his voice, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Acts 2.15 For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now he reaches back into the pages of Joel and says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out 
in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. When they heard this, when they heard this, dropping down to verse 37, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a wonderful thing. The only thing better than Acts 2.38 is Acts 2.39. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't end in 38. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It just goes on and on and on and on. So Simon, where did you get the gall? Where did you get the strength? Where did you get the fortitude to form such a strong and enduring impression in your heart? Where did you get that? He decided, I'm gonna get out of the boat of doing it my way and doing my own thing. And I'm gonna let the Lord guide this ship. Amen, today we're faced with those same choices. We will be faced with those same things before the sun sets today, many times in some cases. I wanna make sure that I choose his way. How about you? Amen, let's stand together. Would you do that? Can we slip our hands up? And can we just love the Lord for his word that is true, his word that is forever settled? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.